Okay, we're recording. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Double Down WNBA podcast. I'm Eric Nemchuk alongside Stephen Trinkwald. As always, Stephen, we're at the halfway point already in the WNBA season. It's kind of hard to believe, but how are we feeling? Uh, it's It's been a very crazy season just in terms of, you know, three games every day. It's kind of hard to keep up, but, um, you know, we're hanging in there. We're hanging in there. Can only imagine how the players and coaches feel, right? It seems like a very hectic schedule. I, I do wonder often if the balance of like all being in a central location and not traveling is worth like not playing like playing so frequently yeah that, especially when you know you have to travel commercially otherwise it's it's interesting that might be a, t- a topic we want to look at later on but for now we're just going to go over the uh, a few of these past weekend's games here um we got one game from saturday which is the la sparks and the indiana fever and then two games from Sunday, which was uh, which were the Seattle Storm and Connecticut Sun versus the Chicago or no, the Seattle Storm versus the Connecticut Sun and the Chicago Sky versus the Atlanta Dream. Um, first up Saturday, Sparks and Fever. Um, not much of a contest here. Sparks ninety, Fever seventy six. Uh, Sparks put up a one hundred eighteen point four O rating, Fever of ninety eight point seven O rating. That's a net of nineteen point seven points per hundred possessions. Um, Fever never really led in this game, Stephen. Uh, Sparks led by as many as 25. It was kind of a slow-paced game, um, particularly in the second half, only 73 possessions. Um, but it was the fourth win in a row for Los Angeles. Uh, what did you see? I mean, this was definitely a game that I expected some different results from, not in terms of like the win or the, the loss. You know, I would expect Los Angeles to, to win this game. But, I mean, it was never really close. And Indiana – was a pretty high powered offense coming into this one and they just never really got it going. Felt like they never had a shot against the Sparks defense. No, the Sparks defense was the story of the day. I think Um, they were just, they were just swarming. They were super aggressive. They recorded 14 steals, um, fast break points, 15 zip. I mean, that, that tells the whole story, right? Yeah. Los Angeles had a 35 or Los Angeles, I should say forced a 35% turnover percentage in the first half in Indiana. Um, you know, to put that some context in that the worst team in the league has, they turned it over about 22% of the time. So um, Indiana had only an 80 offensive rating in the first half. And, you know, as you were kind of saying, like the Sparks defense was, was hyper aggressive. And I thought uh, defensively, you know, she might not have had a, a great game offensively, but Candace Parker defensively was outstanding in this one. Yeah, you had a uh, little poll on Twitter about a player A versus player B sort of thing. Uh, yeah, Candace Parker, like her box score stats weren't particularly impressive, but she did have a huge impact. How, how, what did you see from Candace that, that made that stick out to you? Well, I felt like uh, for Candace Parker, like she, is, she was just everywhere in terms of being able to guard in the perimeter. She was defending the rim really well. And with this matchup in particular, like she is able to hedge and recover very effectively on those pick and rolls because when you have a player like Tierra McCowan, she's just like not rolling hard to the basket, right? So it's very right. easy. She's setting the screen and then just kind of lingering there for a while. So Parker's able to really get out and disrupt on the perimeter and get back to her assignment very easily. Um, did you kind of see the same thing? Yeah, um, I, I did see a definite athletic mismatch there. Honestly, this whole game, like the whole roster was a pretty much an athletic mismatch. Aside from maybe Tiffany Mitchell, who played super aggressive, I was, I was really impressed by how she got to the free throw line 10 times. Um, 
like you, like we said again, the defense of the Sparks was swarming. The Fever never really got comfortable in the half court. Um, Brittany Sykes played a terrific game on defense with five steals. And then I thought Taya Cooper was also very effective coming off the bench and really, you know, what we've seen from her, her point of attack defense and uh, her ability to push the ball on offense. The Sparks, they, 19.1% uh, of their possessions have been in transition, which is most in the league. Uh, for perspective, last season, the, uh, the most, uh, possession the most transition possessions were was Vegas at 16.8 percent so that really tells you like how often the Sparks have been able to push the ball and this was this is was exemplary for that yeah and you know turning turning defense into offense Brittany Sykes was definitely a huge part of that um, Neko Gumake was a huge part of that she had I thought a really really effective defensive game she drew oh, yeah. a, a couple of offensive fouls she uh, had a steal and was involved in a couple other turnovers and when she's like switching up top you know, you, you better score because she is just like sprinting back and ducking in early against your guard. And, and that's an automatic bucket. And um, I think that that only happened probably a couple of times here, but she was really able to take advantage of like, if she was able to switch out onto Julie Aleman, for example, like Aleman is not really able to get by her. Um, but then on the other end, if they don't score, it's, it's a quick two points. It's just such a luxury to have a player like Neca defending a pick and roll or defending anywhere, honestly, um, just with her activity and her strength and, for mobility eight for nine from the field by the way for 17 points I feel like you know she hasn't really been completely healthy this season she's not really gotten rolling offensively but a very efficient performance by NECA from the field as well yeah 17 points on nine shooting possessions six of six in the paint seven of seven overall from two her only miss coming from three overall for the Sparks offensively I, I'm not sure if you felt the same way but I felt kind of early on like Chelsea Gray wasn't really involved in the offense. Like offensively, mm -hmm. things were really running through Candace Parker and Sydney Weeks. Yeah, and I'm and I'm not sure I'd, I I dislike that either because you know I mean, well for one, like Chelsea Gray, she's had a, a poor season by her standards. I think we can both agree on that. Um, and for some reason, like I just don't like the Sparks ball movement a lot of the time. It seems like they ISO a lot. I don't have the the figures for that, but I, I feel like they just don't pass the ball around as much as they should in the half court. But when you have like these these mismatches here, um, like you said, Candace Parker going against Tierra McCowan and Sydney Weiss spacing the floor. This was, by the way, another game started for Sydney Weiss. She was the only starter who did not record a positive plus minus, um, but that was because her replacement, Raquana Williams, played very, very, very well. Seven for twelve on three pointers. But yeah, um, Sparks they seem to change what they want to do offensively. Although Chelsea Gray did have a better game shooting from the field, uh, thirteen points on ten shooting possessions. Right, so not bad. Yeah, but I feel like um, a lot of that was really coming in, in not necessarily garbage time because it's tough to call the entire second half garbage time, but in, in a non-competitive portion of this game. Sure. Um, but let's talk about Raquana Williams and overall, like this, this starting lineup. Um, Williams has been coming off the bench after starting the first four games of the season. What do you kind of think about this new look? I mean, obviously it's been working. Yeah, you can't argue with, with the results. Um, they did say on, on the broadcast, or one of these broadcasts, that Raquan Williams is just more comfortable coming off the bench. I'm not sure what to make of that. But, I mean, like I said, 7 to 12 from 3, she was letting it fly, particularly in transition. I, I just feel like she's a player who needs to have her minutes. Like, Sid Weiss did get more minutes than her. But, you know, T.R. Ruffin-Pratt is, is still injured. And, um, you know, that's that's going to help your offense if she's not on the floor, no matter who's who's replacing her, really. So yeah, and um, if I can just jump in there, yeah. um, in those games where TRP has been playing, the Sparks were tenth in offense with a ninety-eight point four offensive rating, and since 
TRP went down, including the minute, uh, including the game where she left early and, and played less than four minutes. 113.5 offensive wow. rating, second best offense in the league over that four game stretch. So, I mean, I wouldn't attribute that all to TRP, but I would attribute a lot of it to her. <laughs> oh, I mean, we say it, we, we've said it before. If you have one player who teams will continuously ignore from beyond the three point line, I mean, that's, that's a huge detriment to your offense. Yeah, and they haven't missed a beat defensively. Uh, but I wanted to kind of talk about the splits for Raquana Williams as well. Uh, 48% true shooting uh, to start this season as a starter with a 19% usage rate. Since coming off the bench, 71.5% true shooting, wow. 24% usage. So she's definitely feeling more comfortable, definitely kind of uh, getting the ball in her hands a little bit more. And she was hitting those threes from all over the place. Six, yeah. six for nine in the first half. She was hitting them on the move. She was spotting up in the corner. She hit one off a pick and roll. Um, she, she was really doing it all from, from three, and it felt like she couldn't miss. No, that, that, that is what it felt like. I mean, seven three-pointers, seven for 12. Um, yeah, do, do you think that is kind of just like a, a flow thing if it's, it's easier for her to come off the bench and get those, get those looks? I mean – I don't really kind of buy into that. I think, you know, for this game, it was just playing against a dreadful defense. Bad that, defense, yeah. Yeah, uh, that really was, like, giving her any look she wanted. Um, but it, it's been working so far, you know, of course, with the season in general and, and this specifically, like, we're dealing with super small sample sizes. You know, whether she starts or she comes off the bench, like, she's going to have to play a lot of minutes and be effective if this team is going to kind of hit its ceiling. Um, but... You know, I I guess I don't really hate Sykes as a starter. You know, she's similar to kind of what I would say about like TRP early in the season. Like she's surrounded by the best kind of offensive talent in that, you know, her her spacing limitations are not as glaring. Um, you did mention that she had a really effective game defensively with those five steals. Um, she also had five transition possessions uh, that resulted in a turnover, two missed layup and two assists. So not an amazing game from her from an overall standpoint, but she definitely helped, um, as we mentioned, kind of set the tone, at least in terms of those turnovers. And um, I mean, was there anything really from like Indiana's side that, that was making you say like, what is going on with these, this team in terms of what they were running or what was going on? Cause it felt like to me, like they were just like throwing a lot of bad passes and, and yeah. just really like, um, I mean, LA did a great job, but it felt like a ton of unforced errors too. 24 total turnovers, according to WMA.com. Um, yeah, <laughs> like Kelsey Mitchell continues her most improved caliber campaign. I think, I think you know, that might not be a popular opinion among, among the uh, Twitter sphere right now, but you and I both agree Kelsey Mitchell is greatly improved. But other than that, it's like, you know, Julie Allman did not have a good game. Tier McCowan, disastrous. I mean, box score doesn't even tell the whole story about that. Um, Tiffany Mitchell, if she wasn't getting the free throw line, you know, not getting many good looks. It was the Sparks just totally took took them out of everything they wanted to do. Yeah, and Kelsey Mitchell, I mean, she finished with a very impressive box score, but a lot of that I thought was was kind of padding the stats in garbage time. She took one field goal attempt in the first half. That's crazy. Um, so you know, that's obviously bad. That that's got to change. You know, there were Julie Allemans took four shots. Uh, Tierra McCowan was two of six from around the rim in, in the first half. Um, Tiffany Mitchell did kind of have it going again, but she was only three for nine in the first half, you know, uh, nine points on 10 shooting possessions. So, so not amazing there. 
Um, I mean, I, I guess she, she was the one that was being aggressive, you know. But please, well, what I have to ask about this team is like, where are they excelling offensively if they do have it going? You know, I, I mean, it feels like there's a very hard cap on this team's offensive ceiling if you know Tier McCowan isn't rolling to the hoop and fin- getting those finishes, or if if Tiffany Mitchell isn't getting these crazy shots at the rim or getting to the free throw line. Yeah, it's it's Kelsey Mitchell hitting a bunch of transition threes and pick and roll threes and uh, working the the off ball game a little bit better. And you know, it's amazing to think that this team was you know second in offense when we checked in last week because they do not have a ton of very good offensive players. To to be quite honest with you. No, and to be fair, like Victoria Vivians is once again out with that knee injury. Um, really, really stinks for it. And Stephanie Mavonga, who I think can do some things offensively. Also out, Erica Wheeler remains not with the team. Um, not really sure what's up with that, but uh, is eh. I, I probably should have looked into this, but is Erica Wheeler the only player that's still missing due to COVID? I believe so. Because Atlanta got their players back. Yeah, January returned recently. Yeah, she, January she for Connecticut. Recently. And uh, But it's odd because, you know, Lauren Cox, I believe, had COVID as well. And she's been with the Fever for a few games now. But Wheeler is still not... Uh, Still MIA. And, you know, I'm just looking at this. The Fever shot actually pretty well from three-point range, nine for 17. Obviously, from two-point range, not good. That's that's interesting. I, you know, with the um, the field goal percentage, like it's so hard to kind of take it with a um, – they were only one of three from three-point range in the first half. So uh, a lot of that, I'm sure, was coming – in more more garbage time you know we we had to keep saying it because the entire game was garbage. yeah you know, most right. of the game was was garbage time um i did want to talk a little bit more about julie aleman's game um you mentioned the the box store the box score kind of undersells how bad she sort of played um would you I mind going about McCowan. oh okay i'm sorry no, um, um well i thought it was the case for julie aleman as well who okay. finished with i think five turnovers for the game but more, more so than anything, I felt like she, she just couldn't really make anything happen offensively in terms of getting by her defender. Uh, she threw some really questionable passes. Um, and, you know, the limitations of her game, I think, really shined through in this one. Yeah, Julie Elman, and all, all credit to like she's done a terrific job as a rookie coming in and kind of, I don't want to say stabilizing because it looks like this team, as we've talked about, is still searching for its own identity on offense. But I think she's played pretty well overall. But you're right. I mean, if she's not getting good screens and, you know, you know, and the team isn't running a lot of good off-ball action to kind of get her those assists, she's not really a player who can create a lot for herself. Um, and that's on a team with a lot of people who can't create much for themselves. So it's it's a problem. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, to echo what you said about McCowan, I thought this was a really rough game for her as well. Her, her yeah. athletic, athletic limitations really shined through just in terms of um, being able to to keep up with the Sparks front court. You know, we mentioned Nekogumake's huge night. Um, Candace Parker didn't particularly have it going from the field, but she was a very impactful player when she was out there as well. Um, and, you know, McCowan's final product was not too bad in terms of her box score, but as I mentioned before, she finished two of six uh, from around the rim in the first half. And um, a player that, I have been a little bit lower on uh, than you, I thought, did really well against Tierra McCowan in her minutes, and that was Christina Nigue. 
Christina Igwe seems like she's really coming along. Um, I, I still think her decision-making needs to improve in the paint. Like, as you said, she still never passes. But it, it just looks like the game is playing a little slower for her right now, and she's able to kind of do what she does as well, and that's attack the glass. Um, five rebounds in, in 22 minutes of play, not bad. Uh, if, I think, if I could just even more so than that, like I thought she did a good job even when she wasn't securing the rebound, just keeping Tierra McCowan off the glass. She had some really impressive box outs for a player that is considerably larger than her. Yeah, and that's that's an Igwe's game. It's, it's always been a, a rebounding and an energy type of player. Um, but like Tierra McCowan, minus 17. Like, and, and here's here's an interesting statistic: Nelia Chanwa played 24 minutes plus minus zero. Lauren Cox played 15 minutes plus minus a one. Neither of them played very good games individually, right? But Tier McCown, but like you compare that to Tier McCown's minus 17, and it's just like it's a totally different team when she's not on the floor, not in a good way. It's very disappointing, I think. Yeah, and that's plus minus for like one and zero for those two players, respectively, in a game where they lost by 20 yeah, and were never exactly. particularly competitive. Right. And like, I don't, I don't like using plus minus very often because of all the noise and stuff like that. But when you're comparing players who play the same position in a game like this with a score like that, I think it really tells you a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this, with this win, um, and you mentioned one other thing I wanted to say, like you mentioned that the, the Sparks offense isn't necessarily like, you know, they don't necessarily play the beautiful game all that often. Um, but in this game, like compared to what Indiana was doing, like their ball and body movement was, was much more impressive than Indiana's. It's, oh, if yeah. you had told me a week ago that one of these offenses was 10th and the other one was second in the league, like it's amazing to think about that now because, um, you know, L.A. just looks so much crisper on that end. So uh, with, with the win, L.A. now moves up to fourth in both offense and defense after, as I mentioned before, being uh, 10th in offense not too long ago. Uh, anything else on this one before we move on? Um, now that you mentioned the assist, you're right. I mean, 25 assists on 33 made baskets, that's pretty good. How about that's this? Uh, one, two, three, four players with five assists. Wow. So, yeah, they're spreading it out. So, kudos to them. Um, again, bad defense, obviously, but uh, they had some good things going there. So, I somewhat retract my uh, criticism there. All right, let's move on to Soar. Storm Sun, a game that looked like it could have been competitive for like a few minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, at the end, it was not competitive. Uh, Storm 95, Sun 72, Storm 125 points per out of possessions, Sun 94.7. That's a net of 30.3 points per out of possessions. That's the eighth straight win for Seattle. They, they're improving to 10 and one on the season. Um, how do you beat this team, Steven? I mean, you hope that what happened in this game continues to happen, which is Brianna Stewart gets in foul trouble early. Um, I, don't, I don't know what else you kind of hope for because this team looks unstoppable right now. It's like, that's the first thing I have in my, in my notes here. Uh, to those listening, yes, we do take notes. Um, <laughs> Brianna Stewart, she did get in foul trouble early, um, but they brought Ezzy Magwiger, first big off the bench, very impressive for a 20-year-old, and uh, they, they didn't miss a beat. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think there's any doubt right now that Brianna Stewart is the best player in the yeah, WNBA. No doubt, no doubt. She, yeah. um, you know, I think from from a narrative standpoint, a lot of other players are kind of making their case for MVP. But in terms of just the production that that's happening on the basketball court, Brianna Stewart is uh, tier one by herself. You as know, far as I'm concerned, I, I don't think it's that close. Really, no, I don't I think mean, so best either. player on the best team, like by far best player on by far the best team. You know. 
in, in some ways, I think she even looked, you know, a, a few episodes ago, I was like, well, I don't think she looks like she's fully back yet. In some ways, it almost looks like she's better now than she was in 2018. I think she's been better defensively. And this Storm defense is just unbelievably good. And it seems like she's almost like taking her time out there a little bit more. She's not rushing. She's not trying to do too much. It, you can see it in her stats, you know, seven, very, very, very efficient 19 points. That's just in 26 minutes. Like she's a part of the system that is just a buzzsaw. Yeah. Offensively as of the big and the pick and roll, she was causing major problems for Connecticut. She um, like Connecticut was not sure if they wanted to play traditional coverage, which of course they, they do typically, um, but that's creating a lot of seams for, for very good players like Sue Bird and, and for Jewel Lloyd. Uh, so Alyssa Thomas then tried to switch or, um, you know, hedge out hard, and, and it just wasn't working, right? Like yeah. Stewie, no matter – and I think that that was kind of overall the big difference in this game, which I'll get to momentarily. Um, but, you know, Stewie's just going to kill your switches. Uh, you had mentioned defensively. Like she might be the defensive player in the year of oh, the yeah. year as well as the MVP this season. Like she has been incredible defensively. Uh, we we saw that one block she had on Bria Holmes, who tried to finish with the right hand on the left side of the hoop. Like she just kind of you know challenged her vertically, and and the ball never really had a chance of getting over her. She had um, Seattle, seven of Seattle's first eleven points before going to the bench with two fouls. Um, was was kind of doing it all. Like hit a three coming off a screen. She, she just looked great. The one play defensively that stood out to me, and, and I tweeted a clip of this because it was so awesome. Um, I, so they tried to run a pick and roll. Like, I think it was Kyla Charles and Alyssa Thomas. But they just – Stewart just blitzed Charles, like jumped, spiked the pass, like a volleyball pass, like almost past the, the half-court line. And uh, Seattle's deep recovery was just on point there. It resulted in a block shot. But, I mean, on both sides of the pick and roll, she's a tremendous problem. Yeah, and Connecticut was – they were running a lot of pick and rolls and handoffs in this game, and in those moments when Seattle decided to be aggressive, like it was causing major problems, and that play was a great example where, you know, Charles pretty much had to run out to the half-court line to um, to save the, the ball as the shot clock was run, uh, winding down. Uh, one thing that was kind of keeping Connecticut close in this game – uh, Jasmine Thomas scoring Connecticut's first eight points of the game as everybody else kind of struggled to get it going. Mm-hmm. And Connecticut was also getting to the line pretty effectively early on. They had 10 free throw attempts in the first quarter compared to zero for Seattle. Um, but that was kind of about as good as it went for them over the course of the game. How about 16 offensive rebounds for this on uh, seven for Brianna Jones? Yeah, Jones, she, she looks good at times. Um, she obviously is much improved in her field goal percentage uh, she she has pretty decent hands. Like every game that you watch of her, she'll she'll slap a couple balls away defensively that you don't think she's going to get to. She's still an effective offensive rebounder, obviously. Um, she had some moments getting some really great position offensively. Uh, she did also lead the team in turnovers. Like that's always going to be a Brianna Jones thing. She's going to turn the ball over a ton because uh, she just doesn't have the best hands offensively. You know, she can't get off the floor very well. Um, so that's going to lead to a lot of blocks. And even when she kind of catches it clean and is able to go up, it, it takes her a long a time just, movement, right? just to get just to get a layup off. So so yeah. even when opportunities look like they should be clean, it gives the defense a ton of time to recover. And we saw that with a, a pretty great Natasha Howard block at one point in this game in the first yeah. half. 
And Natasha Howard, by the way, um, five of five from the field, 11 rebounds, three steals, two blocks. Do you think she's back? I mean, this is the best game I've seen from her so far this season. So, Same. I mean, I, I hope so because it, it's been a kind of a weird few weeks, but um, she had that nice block that I just mentioned before. Um, she had some really nice roles in the third quarter, including an and one. So she, she looked really good and, and it's very encouraging. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Sun and the Sun is is your team, uh, so you can uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I feel like their defense in the first half was actually pretty decent. Like the rotations were sharp; they weren't allowing many open looks. Um, they did a good job of kind of speeding up the basketball on that end of the floor. But in the second half, I mean, the Seattle bench was just too much. Well, defensively, like I think the big difference between these two teams is Seattle is able to switch effectively. They're able to scram their smalls effectively, like when right. they get on like into a bad position they're able to help and recover effectively and I don't know if that's just because you know the floor is not as balanced for Connecticut's offense as it is for Seattle but Connecticut plays a much more conventional pick and roll defense Mm -hmm. and so that means their guards have to like fight and recover over or under screens and when they were going under you know Jewel Lloyd was canning shots uh jump shots like she was just kind of ball racking whatever defender was on her um if they did try to switch or you know, they tried to hedge hard, like the help just wouldn't come over. So I, I thought Seattle, you know, defensively just really kind of played on a string in a way Connecticut didn't. Like I, I thought there were times where um, their their defensive rotations were not that good and, the, you know, helping the help just didn't kind of come along. Uh, and I thought that was really the big difference in this one. Well, Seattle has the athletes and they have the length yeah. in, in the way that the Sun just – how much of that is a product of, uh, of John Cole Jones not being present? Well, I mean, even when, like last year, um, and, you know, this is something that kind of sticks with me um, over and over again, like in that WNBA Finals game where they just ran that um, that Misamin pick and pop three times in a row because Jones just, you know, uh, wants to play that drop coverage. So I'm not even really sure. Like, I think it would be what they're doing would be more effective, but I'm not even sure they would have that much more vers- versatility in what they could do. Okay. All right. That's fair. And I, I wanted to follow, follow that up with, with this point. Um, the Storm in, in their last game, uh, was that the game against the Wings where like they barely won or? I'm not, I can't remember. Well, it, it was, I just got this, this feeling that like this, the Sun, they just have such little margin for error on both ends of the court. They need to be like a, a try hard, grind it out sort of team. I mean, particularly on offense, it's just a slog out there for them because like no floor spacing, but it just feels like if they're not giving 100% effort 100% of the time, they're going to get exposed based on personnel. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, for sure. And there are so many different lineup combinations where you have, you know, three or four players that could attack a closeout off a drive, but those closeouts aren't being like, they're not closing out because no three point shot. Like, like a, a Kayla Charles or a Bria Holmes or something like that. Um, they're very talented players and, and can be contributors in the right situation. Um, but when you combine that with Alyssa Thomas and Bree Jones also being on the floor, um, you know, Brian January not hitting a shot until today, you know, there things just get based up really quick. Um, one thing I want to talk about in this one, uh, we didn't see that small lineup from Connecticut at all. And I thought this would be a team where that would make some sense, particularly, you know, Mercedes Russell certainly has some size, but I, I thought it would have made sense to try the, Bonner and Thomas at the four and five in this one. Why? Um, because Beatrice Montpremier could not hang with this team. 
Uh, and, you know, we've seen in the, as recently as the 2018 uh, WNBA playoffs, like Dewana Bonner guarding and uh, Brianna Stewart, like that matchup, like uh, Dewana Bonner was able to do some things. Like, like she couldn't really stop Stewart, but Stewart couldn't really stop her either. So it's not, it's not unfavorable. I mean, you're, you're, you're putting length against length there. So she can at least be disruptive, right? Yeah. And that's, that's the lineup that's going to give you the most athleticism on the floor, the, um, the best, you know, overall kind of talent pool. So, you know, Beatrice Montpremier just isn't, isn't ready for this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I was actually going to ask you, like, what you think of the Sun rookies so far? I mean, it's another game where they started Kyla Charles. She was 0 for 3 from the field. Um, What do you think of her so far relative to Bria Holmes? Because I I feel like Holmes was kind of detrimental to their offense when they were really going through that 0-5 start, that that slog. Um, It's not like their offense is pretty. You know, again, 3 of 20 from 3, by the way, today. Uh, Is there anything that Charles is bringing that Holmes isn't? Well, I think she's already a better defender. Um, you oh, know, okay. I, I don't really kind of understand where Bria Holmes got this reputation as being a good defender. Like um, she, <laughs> the the one thing that always makes me laugh is like the the pretend defensive posture where, where she's bent down really deep, but like, she's actually like leaning over really far and it's super easy for her to get blown by. Like she, she gets blown by so frequently by players that probably shouldn't be blowing by her, but um, Kyla Charles in their most recent game before today against uh, Chicago, I thought did a really good job hanging with Allie Quigley for yeah. the most part around those screens. Um, and you're just not going to get that from Bria Holmes. Um, but Holmes, you know, even though she is a very maddening offensive player, like I think she can still hit a few in a way that maybe is more or, or is less likely from Kyla Charles. Do you think that's fair? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Charles has a better form on her jumper. Uh but she was like, this is what's really weird about her. Like, she was never asked to shoot threes when she was at Maryland. So that's kind of, this is kind of tough. I mean, she has hit a couple from the corner, I think, where it looked pretty good this season. Um, but still, obviously not a threat. She is yeah. a pretty good rebounder. bad. Yeah, yeah. She is a pretty good rebounder for a I mean, four offensive rebounds in 16 minutes today. I mean, she's got a good nose for the basketball. Yeah, she's tough. I definitely think that, you know, she's, she's going to be a part of this rotation for a few years. And um, she, you know they don't look terrible with her out there. Like she doesn't get completely ignored all the time and, and she can do some things with the ball in her hand. She's pretty good attacking the basket. Um, you know, her finishing might be a little bit better, if not kind of on par with Bria Holmes at this point where, you know, Holmes is, is definitely likely to just kind of miss some bunnies that, that she should, that uh, she should definitely make. So um, yeah, I, I would, you know, keep rolling with the young player. A few ringing endorsements there from Steven Trinkwald. Uh, on the other side of the coin there, um, has Kalina Mosqueda Lewis like completely lost her spot in the rotation? Because I, the defense is just abhorrent, and she is still not hitting her outside shot. Like, what was that one play when Sue Bird just like walked into a transition three pointer because Mosqueda Lewis didn't pick her up and ran to the corner instead for some reason? Or yeah, it's mis- been bad. Um, she defensively, you know, all season. There's a reason she's not playing anymore, right? And you know, I think even if she was hitting the shot a little bit more reliably. Uh, she probably would still be fighting for minutes. I mean, look at Teresa Plaisance, who also is pretty much only playing in garbage time, mm-hmm. uh, despite being a three-point shooter. Like, if you're if you're not going to guard it, it's pretty hard to to break this uh, Kurt Miller rotation. Um, pretty one thing game. I want to oh go ahead. One thing I wanted to say about this rotation though is that um, well okay, so we're going to talk about garbage time again because Kurt Miller did say after the game like, hey, uh, we needed to to get some rest. Um, Tuesday is a huge game, and I quote Kurt Miller, uh, 
He probably thinks that Indiana is a beatable team, which I would agree, but they will also be on an extra day of rest compared to the sun, um, which in these conditions is pretty significant, right? So, but I mean, like you got Brian January, Mon Premier, Heidemann, Brio Holmes, all playing at least 17 minutes. Uh, is does this team, like, it feels like the team is like, has like a little more depth than they did early in the season when he was just refusing to play any of the young players. What do you make of that? Well, it's, it's a little easier to trust Natisha, to trust Natisha Heideman out there because um, she can always play with one of Jasmine Thomas or Brianne January. And I think okay. that goes a long way because she's not kind of solely relied on to, to be the point guard, quote unquote. Um, you know, the, the young players, you know, we mentioned Charles. I think she definitely has a spot in the rotation. Mom Premier, you know, I think – I guess you, you got to play a backup center some minutes. Um, I would try to limit those minutes as much as possible and either, you know, play more small ball minutes or, or you know, whatever you can kind of do, um, particularly against, you know, a team like this, better teams. You know, she can probably hang a little bit better against teams that cannot score as well. But defensively, it's rough out there for, for Mon Premier. Um, but as you were kind of saying, you know, they were only down 15 after that uh, shot from Sammy Wickham at the logo to end the third quarter. And Kurt Miller pretty much came out to start the fourth quarter with a garbage time lineup. And, um, you know, I, I didn't hate it, to be honest with you. Like, it was a very, you know, 15 points in a 10-point uh, a quarter is not insurmountable. Um, no, but, but, you know, with this kind of season, with a game in, in two days, you know, this regular season game doesn't mean that much. Uh, I kind of liked just getting some rest for some players that desperately, desperately needed rest. Yeah, I agree. And if you look at the standings right now, you've got New York, Atlanta, um, Washington, all on complete free falls. So we're thinking that the Sun are probably still going to make the playoffs, right? Yeah, I, I don't think they are kind of uh, there now. I think they might be ninth or tenth in the standings at this point. They're but. four and seven. Yeah. And here's here's one thing I find interesting about the Sun. Um, first half net rating, they're actually fourth in the league at four point seven. Um, second half net rating, they are 10th in the league at minus 11.8. Uh, is that like a factor of, of, you know, not enough depth players wearing down or, or what? I mean, it seems like it is like Dewana Bonner, uh, is playing a ton of minutes. Alyssa Thomas playing a ton of minutes, even Jasmine Thomas, like they're, they are running these players, uh, as much as they can, you know, Bonner played the first 13 minutes of the game today. Um, which is a lot, you know, that, yeah. that's pretty much the first quarter and a half. Uh, Alyssa Thomas is known to get very, very few rest time on the bench. So, I mean, we, we definitely saw it. The one that sticks out the most, obviously, is like the opening night loss to Minnesota where yeah. they were just completely gassed and, and couldn't do anything. You know, there's probably some, some garbage time mixed in there as well. Um, but, you know, the, regardless like this team can't score um and, and they really need to bring that defensive intensity to to have a shot or like there's not even a player that can like theoretically really get hot from three that much like jasmine thomas can hit him for sure like heideman can hit him a little bit but there's no one where you're like uh oh she's she's got to go in from out there yeah or no one no one who isn't at least really bad defensively like that's the thing about miss gated lewis for me you know like you have to run plays for her um and it's like she's she's one for four today. She's not really shooting that well either. So it's like what – I don't know, man. I, I don't see her having a spot in the league for much longer, to be honest with you, if, if this keeps up. 
That's interesting. I was I saw you tweet that out, and I was kind of thinking a similar thing for a player that's going to be discussed in our next game. Uh, but one one thing I want to say before we move on to that game, pretty rough game for uh, one of my faves, Alyssa Thomas. She was not an effective defender in this game. She had really no chance at defending Brianna Stewart. And this is just one of those matchups, right? There's there's a couple of them around the league where the opposing four can just ball rack Alyssa Thomas because she mm-hmm. just doesn't have the size. And Stewart can just shoot right over her, like not really any difficulty in that. And I did not think she was a very effective pick and roll defender. Like she made some really questionable uh, passes or not even questionable passes. They were just off the mark. Like they were fine decisions. Um, so not, not Thomas's best game and obviously a real tough time scoring on uh, Brianna Stewart as, as everyone does. Yeah. I mean, like when you think about the length, like if Seattle just stays straight up against Thomas, cause you know, she's taking it right to the rim. So like, if you just stay straight up, which is obviously easier said than done against Alyssa because she's a total tank out there, but Seattle did a great job defensively. There's, there's no two ways about it. Um, they're disruptive. They didn't, they didn't really even let her get a full head of steam really. And that's, that's the thing that I think you need to be concerned about with Thomas. Yeah. There were a couple of times where she got it going in transition early, but uh, they, they cut it off pretty quick. They did a really good job in transition defense. Yeah. One thing I want to say, um, Seattle's now allowing 90.9 points for hundred possessions. That's the best team defensive rating um, since 2007 when Indiana allowed 89.6 points per hundred possessions. So uh, that's pretty impressive considering how, like how much better offense is league wide this year than it was. Yeah. It's like, that's not the trend, but Seattle is just killing it. And this is with Natasha Howard, like not really being Natasha Howard up until maybe today. So yeah, I mean, today I saw nothing unexpected. Uh, Sammy Whitcomb was amazing at four or five from three again. Uh, This team is just on a totally different level. Um, Anything else you want to add? No, we can move on. Okay, we can move on. Okay. Um, final game we're going to talk about here, Chicago Sky versus the Atlanta Dream. Um, Sky 92, Dream 67. Sky scoring 112.2 points per 100 possessions. Dream only 82.7. That's a net of 29.5. This is Atlanta's eighth straight loss. Um, it started okay. Like, it started okay for Atlanta. Um, Chicago was kind of flat to, to open the game as they – tend to be but uh this guy they turned it on late in the first quarter and basically controlled the game from there well let's talk about opening the game um the chicago sky started ruthie hebert in this game she played about two and a half minutes and then didn't (laughs) come back until garbage time yeah very interesting um james wade did make comments uh a couple games ago about not being happy with the effort uh, his front court players were giving. So maybe this was like a wake up call or something. I'm not sure that, but this is surprising to me though, because I'm not sure Cheyenne Parker was the one who came off the bench and she played, you know, terrific. Um, but I'm not sure Cheyenne Parker was the player who should have been targeted with that comment. Um, like Azrae Stevens was not good in this game. And I think it's kind of tailed off since her, since her hot start. Um, but it's like, Hebert was attacked right away defensively, which I think was the right idea. And like you said, she was subbed out almost immediately. So maybe this is a, uh, like a teaching moment for his other players, like a wake up call. But even then it's my point. My thing is Chicago's not getting enough production out of their front court defensively or on the rebounding side of the ball. And that's going to be a thing. Like they're just not big enough and they're not strong enough. That's. So this brings me to something I wanted to talk about first half. Go ahead. First half minutes. Um, 
Gabby Williams, 11. Azure Stevens, five and a half. It seems like Gabby is pretty much, I don't want to say a full-time four, but she's spending a lot of her time at the four. Um, what do you think of kind of Gabby at that spot? And um, what do you think of the, the three wing lineup that we saw today of Gabby, Copper, and Diamond all out there with a point guard in the center? Um, I'd rather have her at the four than the one. Uh, like Sydney Colson is back and uh, and actually played a really good game today with six assists to one turnover. That's another thing James Wade has been public about is needing more production out of his backup point guard position, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Like before today, the team just seemed totally lost whenever Vandersloot was off the floor on both ends, actually, which is surprising. Um, you have a hot take about this that I might want to ask you later, but uh, yeah, I'd rather see Gabby at the four than the one. I, I think she's more of a wing naturally, but if she's playing more at the four, I think she can be like disruptive on these post-entry passes. Um, she did get it handed to her by Monique Billings a few times today, I think. But that's just because Billings is bigger and stronger. Um, I don't know. Wh- where do you think Gabby's ideal position is at this at this point? Because Diamond of Shields continue. Like I have in my notes, Diamond of Shields still question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Like she made a couple good plays on defense today and had a few nice assists in there, but still not the Diamond of Shields we need to be seeing. This was one of the better diamond games that I've seen this season. At okay. Least. She, she got out in transition pretty well. Um, I thought she did a really good job defensively on both uh, Benajah Laney and Shakina Strickland when she was tasked with those respective players. Like I thought she did a really good job keeping Benajah Laney off the glass. Like Laney wasn't really able to get into the paint off of dribble penetration was diamond, when diamond was on her or when Gabby was on her for that matter. Um, I, I thought those two players both did, did a really great job with uh, in guarding Benaj Delaney. Um, but Gabby, you know, it, it's nice because she can play the two, the three, the four. Um, you know, I don't really love her at the four. And as you mentioned, like Monique Billings, her, her um, rebounding tenacity in her size is, is a pretty tough cover for Gabby Williams at the four. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're telling – like I, w- I would still roll with that because she brings with her an athleticism in the open court um, and just kind of like a, a floor game that Monique Billings doesn't bring, you know, and, you know, this was probably Billings, one of be- Billings' better game of late, you know, a- after she started off hot, it's been kind of a, a slog for She's her. falling off, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, overall things, things are pretty tight for that offense with, you know, Benajah Laney, Monique Billings, and a center out there. Um, you know, I think at some point we, we got to look to get Shakina Strickland some more minutes um, in those start, with those starters. Um, but for, for Williams, you know, I, I don't really know uh, whether she's – I think I agree with you that she's not a one, and it was encouraging what we saw from, from Sydney Coulson. Um, so I, I guess that's kind of all I have about that. Sorely needed. Well, I mean, it, from the minutes uh, – Williams didn't play the one at all. Like Sloot played 24 minutes and 16 seconds. Colson played 50 minutes and 44 seconds. That's huge, by the way. Like Vander Sloot's minutes load because like we they got to keep that down, um, especially you know uh, as the season drags on. Uh, but regarding Williams, um, in her rookie season, 2018, um, they actually played her. They actually started her at the four. She was the starting power four. Yeah, it's amazing to think about. And she was abused fairly often on that on that end of the court but also like right now the league isn't as big as it was then and you know she's a third year player now as opposed to a first year player and um and doing it against backups is doing it against starters is different exactly than, you know and james wade is 
a better coach than Amber Stocks is. So, uh, yeah, I think I think the the three or the four you can do whatever with Gabby. Um, she does give you some some advantages over whoever she's going to be matching up with. Uh, her off ball movement I thought was really good today, and defensively, you know, she can get out and create some stuff. There, there's a tweet. Uh, the Sky Show Shy uh, tweeted out some uh, some 2K screenshots, and apparently, uh, apparently they think that steals are a weakness for Gabby Williams. That's an interesting. Uh, That's interesting. Interesting <laughs> take. It's not like she she, uh, she led the league in steal percentage her rookie season. Yeah, but, I was gonna say, um, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll let that. We'll let bygones be bygones. Okay. Um, you know, you're talking about the front court. One thing that I thought was interesting: Billings and Elizabeth Williams combined seven of seventeen from the floor. I feel like this was a game where they really could have taken advantage of Chicago, because I've been you know lamenting Chicago's. The weaknesses on the boards they didn't really see much of that like Elizabeth Williams only getting four shots was kind of weird to me is that weird to you or no that was weird uh she was not really featured but they they don't I mean Courtney Williams is a pretty effective offensive player but William uh Elizabeth Williams also did get to the free throw for for five attempts so yeah you know I guess six total shooting possessions instead of four would still not amazing uh, Monique Billings, 13 field goal attempts, uh, a little high for me. Um, and I did, did not think she was particularly effective um, outside of getting a few like transition opportunities. Like she runs the floor really hard and stuff like that. Um, but one thing I was going to say before, you know, they, they just don't really have, th- this team is just a slog without uh, Kennedy Carter. Like awful. Yeah. Blake Dietrich, I, I'm not even sure if she is a WNBA player, never mind like a starting point guard. Um, but they, they don't really have like Courtney Williams can only do so much. Like she has a very specific game. You know, she is a very effective pick and roll player, but there's, there's really nothing around her in terms of spacing. If you're going to try that, that Williams, Williams pick and roll. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be ugly until Carter gets back. And even that it's like, it's another game where they got absolutely nothing from point guard. Um, but here's the thing. Blake Dietrich is, is – she is what she is. Right? She's a spot-up shooter who really can't handle ball pressure at all. Um, and yet Alexis Jones played only three minutes. That tells me a lot about Alexis Jones because what, what are the, the, the dream good at right now? Like they are, I believe, um, they run a ton of pick and rolls. Like according to Synergy, um, right now 26% of their plays have resulted in pick and roll ball handler attempts. Um, but nobody is really that good at it. Like they're 11th in efficiency in that category. Uh, they've got nobody other than Strickland who can really hit an open three pointer. Um, like, but Nigel Laney has been amazing this season. Don't get me wrong, but she's kind of, kind of trailing off after that hot start. So it's like, I think they're pretty much cooked right now, unless Carter comes back soon and they go on a tear. Like what advantage do they have against anybody else that isn't New York? Yeah. The, the one thing is, you know, instead of starting Billings, having her come off the bench, you know, I think, Strickland. well, I was going to say just so Billings can kind of feast off second units because she's, she's a very effective, you know, backup power forward, you know, in terms of using her, she's a great out of area rebounder, but like that her game just fits better in second units than it does as a starter. Like she's just a little overmatched there, but of course, like starting Strickland, that'll space the floor a little bit for, for everybody make those pick and rolls that they like to run with Courtney Williams and Elizabeth Williams a little bit, um, you know, just give them a little bit more room to operate. Um, 
you know, I think they should have an athletic advantage against a lot of teams, but they don't necessarily use it. And running Blake Dietrich at the point guard, um, you know, is a little bit of a challenge there. But like when you think about Courtney Williams, Elizabeth Williams, Benajelini, like that's that's three pretty athletic players for their position. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't really come across in, in too much like functional athleticism. Like Benajelini was able to get to the rim a, a couple of times very early on. Uh, I think maybe when Hebert was still in the game or, or shortly thereafter, um, but didn't really get anything going in the half court kind of for the rest of the the game. You know, she got some opportunities in transition, but it was, it was not a, a great game for Benajelini. No. And plus their defense is really bad. I, I think, are they still the worst defense in the league or second to worst? They're down there. They were coming into today. Yeah. And, and again, like nothing different there. Chicago had a true shooting percentage of 66.4%. I, th- I thought even like the sky weren't that great on like the ball was kind of sticky in the first half. Um, their movement seemed better to me in the second half, but like this wasn't even like, I, I didn't even think the sky played that great offensively. It's just the dream are, uh, I mean, they give up so many backdoor looks. Um, the perimeter yeah, defense, they seem very inattentive defensively. Inattentive. That's a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you have anything else to say on this game? Cause it, uh, for me, you know, Steph Dolson has not looked very good since coming back um, no. in, you know, a lower body injury. She was, um, you know, very obviously not able to kind of keep up her um, regimen in terms of staying in game shape. Uh, I think that that's come across pretty clearly. Um, she four falls in 20 minutes. I mean, falling has always been a problem for Steph Dolson, but usually she's playing a little bit more than 20 minutes, um, you know. She Cheyenne Parker has just been better than her. Um, yeah, it, it's been obviously very limited minutes, but um, they're they're going to need something better from from Steph Dolson. I did also just want to commend Cheyenne Parker's big game. You know, Monique Billings is not going to be able to hang with Cheyenne Parker down low. Like Lori Johnson is not going to be able to hang with Cheyenne Parker down low. She's absolutely going to put um, advantage players like in the goal. It's like I, I think Cheyenne, I feel like Cheyenne Parker is one of the few bigs and and i might say this completely wrong but give me a give me a chance uh she's one of the few energy bigs in the league which might be selling her short because she is like legit skilled now but she's one of the few energy bigs in this league who can consistently take advantage of bigger you know because like you don't you don't think you don't put like monique billings and say okay she's gonna take advantage of britney griner on offense like not really but you know shine parker she's just been so amazing you know her ability to kind of go to her left hand uh, she's really she's her moves are quick she gets up the floor quickly she's extremely confident in her in her offense you can just tell by the way she's playing and then she gives a second effort on the on the on the boards as well so like comparing her to stephanie dolson it's like steph dolson has never been a good help defender but now it's just a problem um and then on, on the boards she did have six rebounds but i, I feel like uh, she just isn't able to rebound out of her area she fouls a lot she's and I feel like she gave up a lot of rebounds where like yeah. Parker maybe would have put a body on a, a little bit better. But yeah, like I said before, it's, it's, it's a struggle with this front court because even if Dolson is healthier and, you know, even if, if Steven is, Stevens is playing well, it's, they're still going to be physically outmatched against most opponents. This was obviously not one of those opponents, but, um, and you know, like, I didn't really see anything out of Ruthie Hebert in her limited time that maybe say, Oh yeah, well maybe this is the answer. Like I, I didn't really say that either. Uh, but Result was a 25-point win, so I don't know if that says more about Chicago or more about Atlanta. 
Yeah, I guess all I really had to add for this one, you know, I thought this was like um, a masterpiece from Courtney Vandersloot. She was terrific. Um, 14 points on 10 shooting possessions, five assists, one turnover. She um, is credited for one steal, but had three, count them, three strips on Blake Dietrich where she just, uh, Dietrich was dribbling into the lane and Vandersloot just knocked it right off her leg and it was a turnover. Uh, not sure how she got credited for for so few steals that maybe two of them weren't live ball, but um, she was great in this game. She continues to be great. Uh, <laughs> I I shudder to think of where this team would be without Courtney Vandersloot. She is a total blessing to root for. She's a total blessing to watch. Um, yeah, still a still a top two point guard, right? Yeah, uh, she's. I, I think it's safe to say she's the best point guard in the league. Oh, okay, all right. I wasn't going to say it myself, but yeah, she's the best point guard in the week. Um, playing amazing basketball once again. Uh, all right. I think we can wrap things up. Like, I must have anything else to say regarding any of these games. Um, oh, one more thing. Uh, Kalia Copper played terrific today, I thought. Yeah, she was really good. She she gives this team uh, an element that they really need, particularly, you know, with DeShields obviously not being the player that um, we expect her to be. Uh, what was it? It was um, – at least in the first half, three of three from behind the arc for Copper, O of three from two. Um, but they need that floor spacing from her. Uh, you know, th- this team quietly has less floor spacing than you think it does. No, no, you're right. You're right. Because, you know, Allie Quigley, defenses are going to be loaded in on her. No, no question about it. Steph Bilson can't stay on the floor long enough to really contribute from out there. So if they need somebody else, whether it be Copper or Stevens or DeShields, to hit that three-point shot. And uh, today it was Copper, so kudos to her only 14 threes attempted like there were seven for 14 but like yeah you're right for a well, team I thought that, they were scoring at the rim really effectively so. they were well again that's atlanta's defense uh what, what do you think about chicago right now i think they're really good you know we we need uh improvement from a couple players in their front court you know i think cheyenne parker is playing about as well as we could expect cheyenne parker to play but yeah. you know we need stevens to be better we need dolson to be better and if Diamond to Shields' knees, uh, you know, ever are fully healthy, th- this is going to be a different team, I think, even still. It's like, because that was Diamond to Shields in particular, and I'm, I'm ranting by this at this point, so I'll just keep it at this. I feel like Diamond to Shields was such a big element of what we thought about this guy heading into this season. Um, like, oh, they've got so many great perimeter athletes, like it's going to be great. They're going to run everybody off the court. Only 11.5% of their possessions have been in transition so far. That's not high enough for me. Uh, and I feel like a large part of that is Diamond just not being herself. I would be very, very willing to just rest her for a game or two against some yeah. of these worst teams because they haven't played New York yet. Um, I think they have another game against Atlanta. So it's like you can afford to give her some rest so then by the time the playoffs are all around, you will have that advantage, you know? Yeah. I, I, I'm i not sure if you remember us talking about it preseason, but, like, she was – I mean, obviously you were there last season, you know, you watched it all, but she was, she was a one player offense in transition within herself. Like she, she really forced the issue. Um, yeah. Particularly against slower teams. You know, you like to cite that Phoenix game, for example, where they just had no answers for her in transition. They were just, she was running up and down the court and, you know, we see that in spots this year rather than throughout an entire game. Rather than constantly. Yeah. But yeah. So we hope Diamond gets healthy soon or whatever the, the issue is like, she's, she's making some, 
I feel like she's still active defensively, but she's kind of inattentive. And then offensively, she's making some really questionable decisions with the ball that are just further exacerbated by the athleticism. Just not like it's there, but it's not there there, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. Okay, all right. Enough piling on. Um, yeah, so that's that's it for the kind of the halfway point of the season. Um, anything you're looking forward to in the second half? Well, I'm looking forward to um, Connecticut playing the Liberty twice. I, I, as would I. I'm looking forward to this guy playing Liberty twice. Yeah, New York, uh, total mess right now. Oh, my God. Uh, you think they're still worse than Atlanta? Uh, I do. Um, and on a more serious note, what I really want to see, like, right now, or at least kind of coming into this record, I'm not sure what would have changed. Um, maybe Chicago moved past them. But when I checked earlier this afternoon, Vegas was the number two offense in the league. And that's wow. something that I found really surprising and am going to be interested to see if they're able to keep that up. Um, that's crazy. It is insane. Uh, I still am not sure if I, I buy them all the way as the number two, like the second best team in the league, but whether it's them, Chicago or LA, those are kind of the teams I, I expect to continue ah. to see fight for, for being, you know, the second best team behind the juggernaut that is Seattle. And you know, victory laps will be taken are probably already being taken about, Oh, well, you don't need to, you don't need to shoot threes to be good. Well, <laughs> let's let the full season play out before that. But yeah, Vegas has been playing great. I think I'd still rather take, I think I'd still take LA over them, but uh, yeah, Vegas is, they have an identity. We'll, we'll, we'll put it that way. They have an identity and they are all in on that and uh, it's working for them so far. So um, anything else you got? No, I'm good. Um, thank you all for listening please uh, subscribe, rate, and review the show if you want to support us. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, and on Spotify. Spotify, very good. Okay, nothing else for me uh, except for more thanks, and uh, catch you all next week, week after that, week after that, and uh, whenever. So take care, everybody. Stay healthy. Stay safe.